Welcome to the first episode of a new podcast, Our Plant Stories. I'd like to share with you the first three recordings made on my phone that started me on this journey. My mother's favourite part of the garden was the rockery. When you were small, perhaps four or five years old, it was like having your own mountain in the garden. And I would go out there and attempt to get to the top by going from rock to rock. I would get in a lot of trouble if I trod on one of the heathers, but it was my mountain. So the plant that brings that special memory for me is carnations and the lovely, beautiful smell of spray carnations, which takes me back to my granddad's greenhouse, which was full of carnations. And in an instance, I'm five years old, standing beside him as he prunes his carnations. First memory of gardening was carting the muck, which was delivered on a trailer and goes up to the top of the garden and sticking the fork into my foot. <laughs> my husband, my sister and my brother-in-law. Three people instantly transported back to childhood when I simply asked them for their earliest gardening memory. I started asking friends and other gardeners the same question and suddenly I was gathering stories about our connections to plants and the way they can root us to people and places. In this podcast series, there will be plenty of plant stories. And by sharing them, we grow our plant knowledge through the experience, passions and sometimes remarkable knowledge of other plant growers. And the takeaway? We learn to grow that plant. But to this week's episode, which begins with two sisters and their childhood memories of being in the garden with their parents. Lynn grew up to become a radio producer and her sister Jilly became a garden designer. And this was one of the first conversations I recorded for our plant stories. They were gardeners. They were definitely gardeners, probably mum more than dad. And uh, we used to just hang out there when they were gardening. I can't say I remember being taught anything specifically, apart from just loving being in the garden and the endless trips to garden centres. I remember that. Um, And looking at roses. Do you remember that one, Lynn? Oh, Jilly, I was laughing there. I was laughing about the endless trips to garden centres and the rose gardens. Why on earth they wanted to see rose gardens every Sunday? I have no idea. But we used to go to the rose gardens and run around and get very bored. She certainly never spoke about flowers the way you do, Jill, you know, with their Latin names or anything like that. You say that mum didn't know any Latin names. There was one Latin name that she knew very well, and we could say it together, couldn't we? Yes. Because we were brought up for some reason laughing at Alcamilla Mollus. We used to think it was the funniest thing. And I actually love using Alcamilla Mollus in planting schemes now. It's a great little plant. And um, it always reminds me of mum. It's such a beautiful word. Well, it was definitely the first Latin name that I learnt was Alcamilla Mollis, and we were probably about five. I do remember uh, my mum's flower bed down the right-hand side of the back garden, and I remember an absolutely beautiful scarlet peony that she absolutely adored and she used to look after. And the, the flower heads were about, in my head, they were about 18 inches wide, the flower heads, and they were absolutely gorgeous, but she, we were never allowed to go near them. 
and we're never allowed to touch them or bring them in or anything like that. And peonies went out of fashion for a long time. And funny enough, they're in now and I'm desperate to find that peony that she had. It was scarlet. That's all I know. It was bright pink. It was lovely to talk to the sisters. They remembered how their mother would dig up all the forget-me-nots and then their father would go and plant them somewhere else. Teamwork in the garden. But the story that stuck with me most was Lynn's unidentified lost peony that she wasn't allowed to touch or pick or even, it seems, go near. Could there be a way to identify a plant held only in a childhood memory? I searched on the internet and found that Claire Austin, who runs the nursery, Claire Austin Hardy Plants, had written a beautiful book called Peonies. I sent her a clip of Lynn and asked if she could identify that peony. And she replied and said, yes. So I brought Claire and Lynn together for the identification of the lost peony. This programme is really special to me, by the way, because A, Lynn, your memory was just such a lovely memory. And then B, because, you know, I emailed Claire, who's a total stranger, doesn't know me from Adam, with the clip of you. And she just immediately came back to me and went, yeah, I know about that. And, and I can't tell you how lovely that is when you're trying to kind of get something off the ground and it slightly feels like, you know, you're not quite sure if you get where it's heading and then someone just goes, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just because it is the most commonly found peony in gardens. It's one of the oldest ones in gardens. So it's um, peony officinalis rubra plena. The big double red one with shiny red petals tend to go a bit pink with the age they also probably the reason why your mother said don't touch them is because the petals will fall yeah. off easily once they get to a certain age yeah. they just sort of like just shed like confetti so yeah that, that's why because it's just so commonly found and I remember at Chelsea people say I've got this peony in my garden what is it and my grandmother's garden was a common one as well is it one of the oldest kinds then yeah, it's one of the original ones grown in gardens. It would have come from the far side of Europe decades, and they don't really know where it grew originally, and it doesn't grow wild anymore. But it's easily transportable as well. That's the whole thing with peonies. They're easy. They'll last for months and months and months out of the soil. And also when um, you've got them in the soil, you dig it up and you move it somewhere else, there will be a little bit of tuberous root left and it will grow again. So every garden had them. And my memory was that it was a very big flower. It was also a very big bud. Now, is that because I was a lot smaller and looking up at it? Or is it really a really big well, flower? Yeah, it will be at least six inches across, even a bit bigger, probably. The buds are very round. And I, as a child, used to love them because they had ants on them. The ants go for the secretion, which is a sugar secretion. And nobody really knows why ants do it, but some people have said it actually assists the bud to open. So the ants will clear the secretion and it will then burst open. And am I also right in thinking, this is great to have you there to sort of confirm all these memories of of quite a few years ago, but am I right in thinking also that it would close when it was darker, that it, that it would close? At yeah, night? peonies do. Yes, they generally, you particularly notice it with single peonies because they're close to protect the stamens at night. And then once the plant has got to a certain age or the flower's got to a certain age, then it will just, the petals will fall off. But yes, they do close up. Not tightly, but they draw up. 
So uh, you can understand how much that would impact on a young child as well. What are these <laughs> beings doing? You know, <laughs> they're not just plants; they're actual beings. It's uh, well, that's a really yes. good to know. And they're still popular now, Claire. I think they've always been popular, but there's a lot more available at the moment. So uh, it's attracted people a little bit more, I think, especially the younger generation for bouquets, wedding bouquets. But the red peony, the interesting thing about the red peony, in America, they have Memorial Day. Memorial Day is designed, was inaugurated for people to remember people who died, families who died, and naturally put a red peony rather than a rose on the grave or wherever you wanted to celebrate somebody's passing. So, and from that, they started to breed other red peonies that were actually would last longer than the, the one that you remember because the petals didn't last very long. Because that's really interesting. Looking at your book, Claire, which is absolutely stunning, but it, it shows such kind of amazing depth of knowledge. Massed over how many years? How, how long have you had peonies? Do you remember when you had your first peony? Well, I've, I've been horticulture for 40 years next year so it's got to be at least 40 years and with the breeders are there particular breeders the stories of which you really love because that that's a real labor of love presumably to breed oh, the, these peonies. Uh, the years. amazing thing about peonies is that they take so long to grow from seed i grow some from seed but they're still uh, even after ooh, three years they'll be two inches high it takes so long. They are so long. As part of their long-livedness, of course, things that, that take a long time to grow live a lot longer, so like an oak tree, whereas if you've got, say, a marigold, it comes and goes in one year, grows quickly, dies. Those are the natural phenomenal things. So with the breeding of peonies, it can take, oh, decades to get enough to actually sell to someone else. And often a whole collection of breeders, have, um, for instance, there's a a family of breeders have just recently given up called Clems in the States, would then hopefully pass them on to somebody else who will continue to raise, say, the seedlings that hadn't emerged in flower, hadn't flowered. So, yeah, there's, um, they're amazing. They just go from family to family. In France, that's particularly what happens during the 19th century. But they have come back into fashion, Claire, haven't they? At the start of lockdown, you know, there was a few of us. We got onto a discussion about peonies and uh, quite a few of them to my surprise had been growing these for, for the last couple of years so they're really back into fashion I mean do flowers do that uh, are peonies one of these things that have come in and in and out of fashion yes I think so there are um I mean we I grow all a thousand different varieties of perennials and big collections of irises and peonies what my father would have called the florist's flower the peony was always a florist's flower and I I think one of the reasons they've gone back into fashion is because in Holland, where most cut flowers come from, they've grown so many of them. And as I said, because a lot of the nurserymen, especially in America, have died, given up their nurseries or whatever, the Dutch have bought the peonies and they've planted them out and then they crop them for the flowers and then the, uh, the rest of the plant gets sold at some point as well. So there's much more available, much more interest and people like something new and there's lots of technically new peonies but in fact the newest peony introduced is probably named in 1990. So, <laughs> it's, it's Will there be one. new ones available or will, will they eventually, that's it, you can do no more? Oh no, 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 there's lots of new types. The new type 
was created during the 1970s by a Japanese enthusiast called Ito, who um, decided he wanted, instead of having yellow is a very uncommon colour of peonies amongst what we call herbaceous peonies, those that die right back in the autumn uh, and sprout again in the spring. So he wanted to create this yellow herbaceous peony and he kept cross-pollinating plants. He actually never saw them flower. He died before the first one flowered, but his widow kept the plant. And eventually an American had heard about these, went to see them. He then took these peonies back to America and called them Ito peonies, or we call them intersectional. The marvellous thing about these is they're a cross between the woody tree peony, which is yellow so often, and herbaceous, and they have the benefits of both. So they're reinventing the plant. It's absolutely amazing. Even now, we still reinvent the ornamental plants or all plants. I'm actually really surprised at, at their popularity in North America. I sort of expected them to be around Asia, and but not North America. And you're saying that they use them on Memorial Day. No, well, really, peonies only grow in temperate areas. They won't grow in the tropics. So Asia's and China, of course, they were always called uh, peony chinensis back in the 19th century, the Chinese peony, because a lot of them came from China. And they would even be exported just as a special, usually a woody tree peony, as a special plant to southern China where they couldn't grow them so that they just flower for one or two days and die. This is the, the mystery of them. But they learn China, certainly when I, I went over 20 years ago, they would learn to paint. That's how they learnt to paint, was the peony flower. And you'll often see them in these beautiful banners with the scroll of a peony on them. So that's why you think they're Chinese. But in fact, they'll survive minus 25, minus 30. They're just incredibly hardy. That's incredible, those temperatures. Yeah, yeah. Because in Northern America, they can't grow as many plants because of the temperatures, because it gets so cold, then it gets so hot, where a peony will survive extreme heat and extreme cold, as will a Hemerocallis adalili or a hoster. But we're lucky in this country because we have such a soft and gentle climate, despite what people might think that we do, and we can grow thousands of different plants. We're very lucky, very, very lucky. So are they actually quite hard? to kill basically a peony are they if you've got a peony it's probably gonna you're gonna keep it alive for some reason i had this thing that you can't move a peony mm. well there's two, two things is that i don't know where this idea that you can't move a peony comes from because they transported them around the world so they've got to have come here exactly. um <laughs> no idea i think maybe because if you Divide them too small when you move them. It can take forever for them to flower. So they, they look like they suck. We sell thousands, thousands of peonies. And I believe me, a good percentage will flower in the first year. There's no problem. But peonies don't like very wet ground. And they're, they're a bit shy and very dry ground initially. But they will grow in almost any soil apart from bog. They like prefer full sun in our climate. Someone like China, they grow them under trees where it gets, and in America, where it gets really hot. And it's a natural canopy to protect them a little bit more during the heat. But they don't like full shade. They just have dappled shade. They will grow them there as well. So when was their height of being grown in the UK? You mean bred or sold? 
because there's two things. Both. One is the breeding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they became very popular in the late 19th century um, when nurseries tended to explode. And that was when, especially in France, there was a lot of breeding of peonies. And new plants were found all over the world. They were bringing plants into Europe from the middle of the 19th century onwards because they'd sent a ship out somewhere, they were trading and then they were swapping plants. You get botanists, you get incredible collections of plants were coming in and peonies were amongst them and they intrigued people because they'd only ever seen, the, the gardeners or the botanists at the time, had only ever seen one or two peonies and then suddenly this flood of peonies came in. The French took them and started to cross-pollinate them, sow seeds. So you get a lot of new varieties. When you get a lot of new varieties, you get more interest. It's like, wow. It's like the tulip mania of the uh, centuries before. So that was the highlight. Then Britain, really, we started, they were popular during the early 20th century when Kelways in Somerset started to, to raise them. So then they became very popular and they lost popularity during the First and Second World Wars when land was needed to grow other things. And because with a peony, you have to have your stock plant, your plant in the ground, and then you divide it, you plant it back in, you divide it, you plant it back in. So it took land, which something that was very small, and you could only get maybe three divisions from a, a peony after about three, four years, if that. Whereas if you've got a hardy geranium, for instance, you might get 30. So you didn't grow peonies because they took a lot of land. So things like delphiniums became popular from the war years onwards, things that grow quickly and multiply quickly. It's all based on nurserymen, really. I mean, if, a, if there isn't a nurseryman, there's not a plant. <laughs> nurserymen are very important people. <laughs> that's, that's really quite interesting. And I'm going to speculate now that obviously my mum, who grew up in the 20s and 30s, may have had them in her garden. And mm. then maybe they disappeared. And then maybe it was a very important thing. She would have got her garden in 54, 55. So maybe it was a really important thing for her to plant those because maybe related back to her childhood. Well, also, she may have inherited the plant in the garden. Oh, as I say, because the be peony officinalis rubra plena, any officinalis, there are two types of peony roots with herbaceous peonies. So they're the long, thin ones that they won't propagate from generally and then there's what called the ones with tubers so the officinalis types a lot of those species ones and you just leave one of those little fat like they're sort of like long thin fur potato type pink furs um and you leave that in the ground it will sprout from the top and i've got plants that just sprout from the top so that's probably she's as much likely to have perhaps disturbed a root or it's been there and it's grown again yeah well oh, that's nice that there might be few generations of history in my in my mother's peony so i need to get one now essentially <laughs> pass on the history knowing there were all these other kind of peonies lynn do you still think it's it's that's the one you want the one that your mum grew i do want to plant it and i will plant it but it's more of for a memory thing as opposed to necessarily being an intricate part of my garden design as if there is such a thing <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many varieties you've got growing on your nursery? Uh, we grow around 200, 300 varieties. I mean, some I've got lots in the garden. I just have one of because it's so beautiful. And in, certainly in the last since I've been growing peonies, the change in the cultivars and the colour range and everything has been amazing. And you know, there's sort of the apricots and the, the which are 
classic now a classic cut flower um and they're ones that have been originally raised from peony officinitis a very important plant for raising new varieties um and the yellows now you've got so many more yellows so that there's a, a a vast range, but really most gardens can only accommodate one or two because they are quite short flowered. So I was looking at the book thinking, I could I could squeeze one of those in my garden, thinking, yeah, I'm sure I could. And then I looked at, well, no, Sally, you do not have space in a postage stamp for a peony. Well, there are <laughs> little ones. So you could grow another aficionalis, peony aficionalis and nemiflora. Sorry, it's a long name, but it actually only grows to about two feet high about two feet wide and has lovely foliage and they all have lovely foliage and that's the whole thing I was, just about, never... I was just about to say I remember the foliage was was a beautiful shade of green and lovely shaped leaves and yes, against the yes. red of the peony that you know yeah. it was that was part of its uh, beauty really the foliage matching against the flower not all flowering plants do that do they Sometimes, some of them have pretty I always foliage. say that in my garden, I put different foliage together. They're beautiful when they come up in spring as well. You've got this, this, they're just so elegant. They're red. And then as they open, they're actually more a burgundy. So I use them to contrast other plants in spring because they have this beautiful emerging colour on them. So they, they are an all season plant, really, apart from winter <laughs> when they die straight back. That is herbaceous peonies because tree peony is different they're the woody ones <laughs> which i've never seen i've never seen no you peony. will have done you just won't know you've seen it really there's there's <clears throat> yeah there's one great big one um that many people have seen you don't think it's a peony it's uh either it's called delavia which has little red flowers or delavia lutea which has little yellow flowers it's right at the back of someone's grand garden's border or something and it will be there but you just won't notice it. it's just got very deeply divided foliage and when the leaves fall in autumn they usually they just a stick lots of sticks so it's a rounded shrub okay. really it does sound like your mum your loved her garden clearly lynn uh, she did and she was a great gardener and she passed on Lots of information to me and my sister, who then went on to become a professional garden designer as well. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of inherent knowledge I have within me, which comes from her, which I thought everybody had. So mm -hmm. when I recognize things, I just say, oh, yes, that's a... Alcamilla Mollus was one of her favorite ones, you know, that's an article. And people go, how do you know that? So I just thought everybody had this knowledge. And yeah, she did love that. But that particular, she did love, she loves her, gar loved her garden. But that particular plant I knew was really, really special to her. And I'm beginning to think now that you're talking, Claire, that that meant something to her childhood. I'm going to cling on to that thought anyway, because that makes it even more special, doesn't it? One of the things that I hope for in this series is that the stories will encourage some of us to grow that plant. So in each episode, there's a how-to. Now, we can't predict when people will come to listen to this podcast, but one of the wonderful things that gardening teaches us is patience and planning. When should you buy a peony and bare root or in a pot? Do either, really, but they are better from bare root, to be honest. Um, the trouble with potted peonies is often they're quite small. Uh, they can only live in a pot for a year or so anyway. So once they've potted, been potted, the, the, they have to be small to go in the pot to fill the space, whereas a root is actually quite big. So I personally think not only will you get a better choice, far more varieties. I mean, people can't, garden centres can't sell many, so maybe... 
they'll have about six or seven if you're lucky, whereas uh, specialist nursery people will sell hundreds. And so they're sent, they're lifted in autumn as the leaves die down, and then they're sent out from mid-October onwards. So that, that's the best time. Until they burst bud, leaf bud, they have little eyes, um, in about February. So you can plant them any time. Though traditionally, it actually should be November till just after Christmas, but in fact, they're fine planted right up until the end of January, middle of February, maybe in Scotland a bit later. So if you've missed the moment to plant a bare root and that's something you're going to head for for next year with your next peony, could you still plant one in a pot any time of the year? Yes. If you're not worried about variety or colour or you can find one, yes, of course you can. Any, Any plant can be planted from a pot. No problem at all. And how deep should you plant them? So you have two different, so we're talking about two different types of peonies. Well, if we're talking about the one that Lynn has, it's no more than two inches below the surface of the soil. If it's any deeper, the poor plant can't sort of produce enough top growth to produce flower. It has to be a certain depth. So usually the rule of thumb is about no more than an inch, two inches or whatever below the surface of the soil. If it's a tree peony, they're often grafted. So you plant them four inches plus. So it's centimetres, it's well, 10 centimetres or something. Um, or in sort of three, four centimetres with um, herbaceous peonies. If you plant them too deep, they won't flower. There are other reasons why peonies won't flower, which is a very common question I was asked in all the years I showed peonies at Chelsea Flower Show was because if they're dry at the roots, they really need moisture in spring. If they don't have moisture in spring, I mean, they'll grow in most soils. If they don't have moisture in spring, the buds will not fill out. They'll just go little brown hard nuggets. Um, so that that's really important, and also, which is why you don't plant them in too much shade because the the tree roots might take the moisture. So it's a sort of thing. If your peony is not flowering, move it in autumn. Aspect: What kind of aspect does it need? Full sun? I think they should better grown in full sun. Having said that, when I moved to the house we're in now, my mother had planted a peony, Shirley Temple, and it's in half shade, and it has thirty flowers on each year. So it's absolutely fine. Big, blousy, white flowers, fabulous um, for cut flowers. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's probably better in full sun, safer, as long as it's not deep shade. Peonies grow with light. So as soon as the daylight starts to increase, they will start to grow. Something like an iris grows with heat. So I know this from doing Chelsea Flower Show. Um, if you put a peony in, in heat, it won't necessarily grow. It'll just sulk. It'll, it won't come into bud. Um, so, it, But it needs light. So the longer daylight you have, the more likely it is to um, grow under shade or a little bit of shade. So if they're in a pot or, or perhaps if they're bare root, how long before we're likely to get your first flower? Um depending on the size of the root you initially plant. So if you're planting, um, buying bare root, they will usually have three eyes. They're little pink buds, three to five eyes. The more eyes, the more likely it is to flower the following year. And that, that is the rule of thumb, which is why pots can be difficult because they'll be smaller plants. So certainly within three years. 
if you've got a small space, you haven't got a big garden, but you have still fallen in love with these wonderfully glamorous plants, could you put them in a pot? I advise people not to put them in pots because they're, they're actually quite hard work. You've got to keep them watered. They, a half barrel you might be fine in. You know, they really do. The roots will grow probably three feet across by three feet across in time. Remember, these plants will last for 100 years. They're very, very long lived. Wow, so I just suddenly thought about that. Three feet across by three feet across. There's some that is where I cannot put that in my small garden outside, can I? <laughs> oh, no, everything else will grow in between. But underneath, <laughs> deep down, like a tree, you know, deep down the, below the soil, you will have an enormous root base. And other plants will grow on top and around them. And, and they really will suddenly pop up. Um, so that's why I say best not to grow them in a container. The other important thing to remember with peonies is don't fertilise them unless you have to, um, especially with fresh, freshly produced manure, any old compost, which is quite acid, it will rot the eyes. So if you're going to, if you want to fertilise peonies, but I see re no real reason why you should, you put a ring of, of compost around, away from the central crown of the plant otherwise you will kill it so um i would say when people plant peonies don't, don't do anything just plant it it's a plant of the wild essentially so always my advice on that one <laughs> that is so interesting when you call it a plant of the world we need that reminder in a way don't we because we don't always think about where plants come from oh so and that's the key really isn't it yes i mean it's, it's like um people will say well i kill every house plant Remember, it's tropical. It doesn't have water. <laughs> Remember, um, a plant that's an annual is one that will grow quickly and die quickly. Remember, perennials are exactly that. And most perennials, including peonies, will be found in verges somewhere, under tree lines. On, and many peonies will be found on the edge of um, woodland, especially in places like Russia or China. And some of them, one or two, which I can't grow here in our garden because we're too wet and too cold, that do come from places like roads in the Greek islands and so on. So some will grow there, but I find them too difficult to grow. So um, there's this... Uh, You've got to look a little bit. If you're having an issue with a plant, think, okay, what does it want? It's just like a child. It's not much different, really. <laughs> Why is it screaming? Oh, he's feeding. <laughs> My thanks to Lynn for sharing her story and Claire for so generously sharing so much knowledge. Maybe there's a plant in your family that holds special memories that you'd like to find out more about and perhaps grow in your own garden this podcast can help. Do get in touch. I'd love to hear your story and look for the connections across continents, across history, across gardens. In honour of you, Claire, and my mum, I'm going to get one now and <laughs> plant it for next year and send you pictures. Lynn has now planted a bare root peony officinalis ruba plena. I'll let you know how she gets on. If you take a look at the website, ourplantstories.com, you'll see a photograph of Lynn's mum, Maisie McAdden, who inspired this plant story. You'll also find all the information about this episode, including Claire's book and beautiful website where there is so much to see and read, and you can buy her plants, including peonies. Our Plant Stories is produced and presented by me, Sally Flatman, and I'd love you to follow this podcast and share it with your friends so we can grow our Plant Stories community. <laughs>